to be gay when you're fisting the night away. If your arm doesn't go, here's a trick you should know. Rub a little low Crisco and start fisting the night away. Yeah, fisting, fisting, everybody's feeling great. We're fisting, fisting, fisting the night away. Yeah. Ba 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 da Good morning, everybody. It's the Dave Juskow podcast. Coming at you live on a Tuesday, Tuesday morning. What? What's happening? Yeah, throat's a little froggy, I think. I don't know what's happening. Tuesday morning, recording the podcast, having a good time. Beautiful day in New York City. Beautiful summer so far. I mean, the weather has been nothing but pleasant. I mean, you have to, whether it's global warming or whatever it is, it's a very pleasant summer. I mean, there's been, there hasn't been any, there hasn't been one. I mean, if you... Say, but Dave, there's been a couple of humid days. Well, no, there hasn't. Because anytime there's a humid day and you can go in the shade and get cool, that's not a humid day. You know what I'm talking about. Most of the time in the summer, in August or something like that, there's just no relief. No relief at nighttime, no relief in the shade. That's the kind of hot I'm talking about. That's why when I go out to California, they're like, boy, it's hot. I'm like, shut up. Shut the fuck up. Because in a couple hours, it'll be cool. You know what I'm saying? People who live here, there's no relief. When I used to live in Queens, I didn't have any air conditioner. There's no relief at night. And that is what makes people insane. So don't tell me about humidity anywhere else but here, possibly Miami, where it doesn't cool down at night. It's it's a no good. It's a no good. You know what I'm saying. Anyway, that hasn't happened this entire summer. So whether it's global warming or whatever the hell it is, it's a pretty sweet magic. It's a very cool, comfortable, beautiful summer in New York City, which is odd. Odd. I've been spending a lot of time in Jersey and at the shore and stuff. So it's been, uh, you know, a nice summer. Anyway, that's not the point of the story. The point of the story is uh, the thing I played up top. We will all explain later i've got a lot to talk about i got a lot going on and the reason i'm doing it tuesday i will um i think i'll explain it right now what do we have this music on for let's start the podcast shall we back home again alone again naturally yeah um i uh i'm back home uh, last uh, last time we uh left you i was at my sister's house and we did our first remote podcast <clears throat> a remote then sorry I, I might have to keep doing it. i don't know what's wrong with my throat i mean i got that whole situation fixed where i had the, the allergy and stuff i i think um my home and my work um just has a lot of stuff uh, people say it's air conditioning and years ago when we didn't have air conditioning everywhere none of us had allergies it makes a lot of sense i don't know what's in those air conditioners how many diseases and germs and nonsense are coming out of them but, uh, I mean, you know, I've n- I'd never had allergies before, and then I had some really bad ones. And uh, let's just get underway with it. I don't know if you heard what happened to Sarah Silverman, and the reason I bring it up is because, you know, it affects me personally. But um, Sarah Silverman almost died um, over the past week or two. Had a... I got the, the text on Sunday, last Sunday, and then I guess she Facebooked it on 
Wednesday about what had happened. So because she had to cancel gigs and people were getting, you know, what's going on. Um, because she had kind of like what I had, not allergies. She had a virus, you know, but finally went to the doctor with a sore throat, which, I mean, this is terrifying, you know, because how many times have I had a sore throat and I've just let it, I'm like, no, nah, it'll go away, it'll go away. Went to the doctor, the doctor says, uh, you need to go to the hospital right now and have surgery today. And this is, uh, you know, I talked to her manager about it because I haven't even talked to her. You know, we've just been texting and emailing because she had trouble talking because she had surgery because she had a breathing tube down her throat. Apparently, she had a virus, didn't finish her antibiotics. I will tell you this because then all of us will get terrified once we get a sore throat. I don't think she listened to her doctor, didn't finish taking the antibiotics and didn't kill everything that needed to be killed and something grew in the back of her throat that if it had burst in any way, would have closed her windpipe and then she'd be dead. Um, so they had to shove a breathing tube down her throat for, you know, a couple days. She's like, I almost died. I'm like, welcome to the club. You know what I'm saying? She's like, my hands were tied down. The breathing. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I've been there already. Yeah, your hands have to be tied down when you get the breathing tube because it's just so easy to want to take it out. It's very confusing to have a breathing tube down your whatever your you know your mouth and your stomach. It's it's just so. And the worst part, taking it out, that was horrible. You know, they all they're like, okay, we're gonna take it out. You know, they lift you up and then you know it's coming out of your, who knows where, and you just gag and it's just uh oh that's that's the, it's like when they took out the catheter. You know, it's just as bad, just as bad, taking out a breathing tube because when you're when they put it in, you're not conscious. So, uh, yipes. Anyway, she had this thing. She's okay now. And then she had trouble fighting the the meds that kept her painless. Uh, you know, like getting off heroin. She was saying it was really difficult to kick it, uh, which is interesting, right? You're on some a medication for four or five days. You have trouble kicking that. Think about what a lifetime of heroin would do. Uh, so, yeah, she's a mess. And, of course, you know, I got the text and I'm like, but... How does this affect our filming for the show crashing? Uh, you know, I, I really don't. Actually, I still don't even know. Now, I'm taping crashing on Thursday. This Thursday, I'm taping the new HBO Judd Apatow show on Thursday. Everything, as far as I'm concerned, I'm doing a, a wardrobe fitting tomorrow, which is why I'm doing the podcast today on Tuesday morning, because uh, tomorrow night I'm doing a wardrobe. I was supposed to do a, sh a show uh, you know, a comedy show, but I had to cancel because I'm doing a wardrobe fitting. And then Thursday I'm taping the, uh, the show. So there was no time to do the podcast except this morning. And I, I don't want to use the fact that everything's going pretty good as an excuse not to do a podcast. That would be uncool. So, uh, well, you know, I love doing the podcast too. So of course I want to tell you what's going on and everything. So, you know, then I saw Artie on Friday, and again, I'm going to explain all of this in a second, Saturday, rather, and uh, he was like, yeah, you know, I heard Sarah's out of the show, and I'm like, what are you talking about? And if Sarah's out of the show, I mean, I don't know how that affects me. Um, most of my scenes are with Sarah. Um, there's a couple without her, and, you know, we got these breakdowns. They keep giving you new revised scripts all the time. I believe they cut two of my scenes already, which actually has nothing to do with Sarah, or maybe it does. I'm not really sure. I don't know whether they did stuff because she's sick or I really don't know what's happening. I don't. And the thing is, if the, the entire episode is about her. So 
if she was to get sick, do you, I guess they hire another actress because they can't just cancel an episode. <clears throat> but I guess if the person the episode's based on dies, I mean, it was that close, then what do you do? They're probably not expecting, you know, if you're working with Ed Asner and, uh, you know, it turns out he dies, maybe you have a backup plan. Uh, maybe you almost expected it. You know, it's it's a tragedy, but you know what I'm saying? You're dealing with somebody, Sarah, you put it together. The worst thing that can happen is uh, something came up and she reschedules. But yeah, this is, uh, this was crazy. So I, I think she's better now. I've been, you know, we've been, like I said, we've been going back and forth, but I haven't asked her if she's even coming in this week. I, I don't know what's happening. And, uh, but I'm taping the show on Thursday. I'm doing a wardrobe fitting tomorrow, which I'm very upset about because I just had three donuts. What's the matter with me? Who the hell would eat three donuts before a wardrobe fitting? I got a problem. I don't know how to diet. So for breakfast on Sunday, I you know, I have to get my Monday and Tuesday breakfast food, which is usually toast. But I got home too late when the grocery store's closed. I told you how difficult it is shopping for stupid groceries in this stupid city. So the place closed. And I had to go to like, you know, a, a Dwayne Reed to get, you know, what I was going to get. And all they had was Wonder Bread. There's something not cool about Wonder Bread when you're trying to diet. So, yeah. Meanwhile, though, I'm like, donuts are probably be just as bad, so I might as well just get those. And there's no reason I have to have three with some coffee as my breakfast. There's no reason. But they're, just, they're so delicious, it's very difficult not to. And I don't eat again, you know. Let's say I ate them at 9 o'clock. I don't eat again until 4.30. So what is that? 10, 11, 12, 1, 2, 3. I don't eat again for another seven and a half hours. But is that eating? It's all sugar. And now my stomach feels, you know, like crappy. So why do that to myself? I don't know. Because I don't know how else to eat. I, I'd like, you know, I just, I'm such, you know, it, it, it's one of those things. It's as bad as, you know, working on The Godfather show and getting uptight that I haven't been putting enough energy into it. That's the angst I get from what am I going to eat today? How can I eat healthy? And on the weekends, how can I not eat healthy because I need to enjoy myself so I'm going to order something horrible? That's how sad my life is. Although it's not, I can't, I'm not complaining now because, you know, things are going okay, but I'm very uptight. Very uptight because, you know, I got a lot of stuff going on and I, I just feel like I'm not putting enough effort into it, even though I, I think I am and I go through every day and I'm like, well... It was kind of a productive day. You know, I, I, I got through a couple levels of Candy Crush. And then, uh, you know, those are my productive days. But, you know, like, I mean, I consider a productive day. Like yesterday, I was talking to my sister on the phone. And I'm like, I don't know what to do about The Godfather. I'd like to have a rehearsal before. You know how we always rehearse hours before the show? I'm like, God, I'd love to do another one. But I feel bad asking people, you know, professional comedians or, or professional actors, you know, like a Richard Klein to come in two weeks early to do a Saturday rehearsal. It's not a play. These aren't actors. It's different, you know? Um, and my sister's like, nah, it's fine. It, it, the last one was great. You know, I guess, you know, I'm too hard on myself, I guess. But, I mean, I anyway, that I felt like yesterday I was talking to her. I'm like, yeah, I guess that was productive. At least we talked about The Godfather. So it's that bad. I mean, I, I feel like I'm not doing enough. I made some... Some fly, some postcards that I could give to people on the street yesterday. That was my my big thing I did yesterday. 
And I put the podcast together a little bit, you know, put up some topics because I knew I was doing a Tuesday. I usually do a Tuesday night. So then I had to scramble Monday realizing that um, I kind of have a lot going on. So this weekend, well, let me, uh, I'm just trying to think where I should begin. Yeah, let's just um, go for it. Also, just before I begin, um, you know, we're also working on the football. Remember, The Godfather's August 2nd. Just giving some plugs. The Godfather's August 2nd. The uh, I will be at opening for the party at the Borgata on August 5th. Not open, you know, I'm doing like 10 minutes, and then Russ Maneve, I like I called him. I'm like, make sure you're opening for Artie so it could be the three of us because we all love each other. There's a major love fest there, the, me and, and Atel also, but he doesn't, you know, he's not going to open for Artie. Although, what a show that would be, huh? See, I'd pay money for that show. Um, But, you know, now that I'm on the podcast and stuff, uh, maybe people would like to see me, so I hope I don't mess it up. And that's why I've been doing some gigs. And um, Anyway, the football show which is happening. I've been talking to some people. We're trying to get it maybe filmed. You know, I'm trying to get a sponsor. Um, the football show is, I have the dates. It's Tuesday, September 27th. Tuesday, October 18th. Wednesday, November 30th. And Tuesday, December 13th. Um, also, the next Godfather show after that is uh, Tuesday, November 15th. So how many live shows and dates do I have going on? I mean, this is fantastic. But it's a lot of work and a lot of energy, which is good, too. I mean, what am I doing? I've been doing nothing. That's why I'm fat. Been doing nothing for like 20 years. And, then, you know, maybe things are coming together a little bit, a little bit, a tiny bit, tiny bit at a time. But now I'm doing many more live shows. I feel much more comfortable getting on stage. I just need material. I don't have any material. You know, I got some and I just got to work. on. I just got to keep getting up more. So I'm kind of upset that I... Can't do the, I saw Sheba Mason on Friday. You know, Jackie Mason's daughter. I saw her on Saturday night. I at the dog host. I said, listen, I got to do. Now it sounds like Bernie Sanders all of a sudden. I don't know what happened. And I said, Hillary Clinton is a problem because we have to get behind. How am I doing? Is it, it's half all right. It's not, it's not great. Um, anyway, so here, here's the thing. Now, for, let me start by this. Let me start by this. Two Fridays ago, I had a date uh, with another drunkie. Another drunkie, because you've heard me on the show. I played that tape of that other girl that, you know, oh, this is who I meet. I meet kooks and weirdos and crazies. And, you know, it's like when you're older, it's even sadder. I mean, because it's like, when does it end? When does it end? And I met this girl, and every time I meet her, and I've gone out with her a couple times, because for some reason I'm attracted to her. I can't tell you why. I don't know why I am attracted to the crazies. That's half the problem. It's just, you know, it's half my fault too. I meet her at 630 at night. Now I've told you girls, uh, this guy, the guys about this before. This girl is the girl that like knows where all the good pours in town are. You know, there's somebody will give you a good pour for your money. You know, you get an extra, a little extra ounce of liquid in your glass and she knows where all the pours are. Uh, lives down in the Wall Street area. And I met her at 630 at night. She was already hammered. You can see she was already, like, falling off her chair. And I met her and some friends of hers or something, and then we went off on our own. And she, you know, she was drunk, but, yeah, we're hanging around, maybe kissing a little bit. But she's already hammered. Like, every time I meet her, that's at 6.30 at night on a Friday. I don't think she works. 
So unless I meet her at 11 a.m., I think every time I go out with her, I'm going to get the hammered version. And I'm like, oh, what is this? You know, and then she's like, I think I got to go. She gets up and I'm like, you sure you don't want me to walk you home? Just to be polite, because I really didn't think she'd make it. No, 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 Stoneberg, why don't you leave me alone? I've done this a hundred times. That's from my favorite year. Oh, Stoneberg, why don't you ever leave me alone? If I ever get the cartoon I want to do called Hey Sherlock, that's the voice I'm going to do. Peter O'Toole from my favorite year. Oh, Watson, leave me alone. I know these people know what funny is. I'll explain that another time. Um, so, yeah. So I let her go, and then I'm just sitting at the bar by myself. I, at 8 o'clock at night, I'm just, I'm, it's over. The date's over. And uh, she texted me the next day. She goes, I fell. I'm like, no kidding, jackass. Of course you were going to fall. But I tell you, she knew every, it, Wall Street is such a fascinating place. That area, such a fascinating place. In the summertime on a Friday, it's dead. In the fall, winter, Friday, it's, you know, packed. You know, Saturday's dead. It's a great place to take a date, actually, because it's just dead on the weekends, you know. But on a Friday night during the summer, it's dead. All the people that work there, they just leave town. And we could go to all these places. But it's like, it's all these doors that look like office buildings. And it turns out they're bars. There's like no names on them. And she knows every place. We went to like three places and they were kind of great. But it's funny. I remember my aunt taking me down there, Aunt Judy, in, in the 70s. And, you know, she took us to all the bars <laughs> in town back then, me and my sister. It was, uh, it was a coffee break uh, from work. But she, they always turned out to be bars. And um, there were all these just places that in, you know, office buildings that turned out to be bars, uh, which were always really funny. And that's what it was. And it's interesting down there. But anyway, so she leaves me alone at 8. And then I'm just sitting there, and I got a call from uh, Dan Filato, Artie Lang's producer, and he said, do you want to do the podcast? I'm like, yeah, I guess. I mean, yeah, perfect. Uh, you know, I'm not that drunk, and I could do it. And I took the city bike up. I, mean, I was in Wall Street. I took the city bike up to the, the ferry um, to, take, to, to go to Hoboken, and um, we had a lovely evening. Drove me back into the city. In fact, that, that night... Uh, he already drove me back into the city and then I sang at the comedy cellar because the owner has a band, a little band. And he's like, Josh, God, come on and sing. I said, well, the only song I know the lyrics to by heart is uh, living on a prayer by Bon Jovi. And they, and we did that. And, uh, it was fun. Colin Quinn was there and Jeff Ross and I just sang and <laughs> it's, it's, it's putting yourself out there, you know, because you know, the comics will, they'll let you have it if you don't do well. But nobody let me have it, so I have to assume everything went uh, pretty good, I guess. Anyway, that podcast, by the way, was an amazing podcast, uh, the Artie one we did, because he just did, uh, I don't know, they, they, I think I've seen it up on YouTube. We, he, we just did the McCluskey, because in the Godfather scene this time, I'm playing uh, McCluskey, you know, stand him up! Are you telling me to do my job? Why are you little? Stand him up! How's the Italian food at this place? You know, I, I can't even wait to play that part. I'm so happy Brando's not in this episode so I can do this. I'm also going to play the narrator because, I, you know, I don't have anything to do. 
So I'm going to play the narrator for the half of it, and then I'll let my friend Rick Chrome take over, and you know, hopefully, um, I'll. I told him I'd make a bigger font and put some lighting on it. I'm going to do the uh, narration as Charlton Heston for the first 16 pages, um, and the question would be why, and the answer would be like, why not? Like John Belushi says in Animal House, why'd you do that? Why not? And that's the only reason. Besides, uh, you know, if you're 20, you obviously have no idea who Charlton Heston is. It's still a funny voice, and most of that crowd knows. If, if you're coming to see a reading of The Godfather, you know who Charlton Heston is, so it's going to be funny in either way, and I'll be like, and the Don Corleone, I, I don't have the script with me, but, you know, whatever. Um, Michael went into the hospital, it's the same hospital in New York City where Babe Ruth died. I'll just do that, and hopefully that'll be good. Remember, I've been Tony, I've been just trying to find ways to Fix or make it entertaining. You know, I mean, listen, it's the same crowd that's coming all the time. I've got to do something to liven it up a little bit each time. So I got a plan for the fourth one, and I got a definite plan for the fifth one. So now I'm, you know, ahead of myself, which is good. But um, and then I'm going to play Tessio. I mean, I just need. I realized after last time, I got to put myself in it more because I need something to do. I cannot watch from the sides. I'm too critical. I'm still very, very angry at myself for putting too much of Mateo doing the gay thing, which has nothing to do with gay or whatever. He just didn't do it the way I want. It's not his fault. It's not his fault. I wanted to do it a certain type of, you know, more like a Paul Lynn gay or whatever. I, I don't know. And that's not his fault that he doesn't know what I wanted. And it last, it went too long because I added in an extra. Uh, so I'm still mad at myself. I'm very upset at myself. It's one of those things I got to close my eyes and just pretend it didn't happen and move on. But I'm also going to play Tessio. Uh, which I was going to have Jeff Ross do, but he's not around because uh, he would have loved to do that. But I think I've been doing a good one. Let me see if I can do it. Mm. We hit Bruno Tattaglia four o'clock this morning. I think I got some of the uh, inflections in, you know. Uh, sure, I know it. Nice, friendly place. Everyone minds their own business. Uh, it's got one of those old-fashioned pull-chain toilets. We might. I'm doing the best I can. You know, it'll be... Uh, Dave Juska's interpretation of Tessio, but I think people will like it. And, uh, you know, I got the scene where uh, we just talk about, like, why do you know the, every toilet uh, in the, every restaurant in the city? And then um, Michael quizzes him on the toilet, like, Luchow's on 29th Street. They've got the double flush dual water system, the energy-saving flush, you know, <laughs> like he's going to know all the uh, all the bathroom places, and that should be funny. We're also adding uh, Russ Maneven to the football show because he wanted to be in it, and I love Russ. So it's me, Artie, Russ, Lenny Marcus. I mean, how's that not a good time? And now the search goes on for a very attractive woman to be in the audience with a wireless microphone to take questions or take pics from the audience. Hello. That's my favorite thing to do. On the lookout for pretty girls. Would you like to be in a show? So that's a smart thing. Yeah, she has to be hot. You know it. You know she does. It's not, you know, I'd prefer to just uh, put Mike Buschetti in the audience, but (laughs) actually, why am I laughing? That's, okay, do you like football? Actually, what am I doing? I got to have Mike Buschetti on that panel, right? We always have to cut to Mike Buschetti. Mike, what do you think of the Jets this season? I think, I think they got a good opportunity to, they're from Seattle. I mean, the guy is nonstop laughs. I mean, it's just, that's why Artie chose him for his direct TV show. When you're in a bind, if you're in the podcast, I can just go, Mike, your thoughts. Well, uh, the problem with 
Black Lives Matter is, you know, <laughs> I mean, um, it's funny every time. So he didn't have a part in this, uh, the Godfather one, Mike Pichetti, and um, I made three parts for him because he gets an applause break every time, every time he comes on. What am I, an idiot? I'm not going to use him. I mean, this is a tough one. This is a tough one. Not a lot, not a lot of action in this episode, you know? The next one starts with the meeting of the heads of the five families, so I get to be Don Corleone again. That's fun. And uh, I'm, I'm going to do this when we have the football show. And from uh, Kansas City, uh, Lenny Marcus, uh, from uh, Union City, New Jersey, uh, Artie Lang, and uh, all the way from uh, Upper up, up West Side, uh, Russman Eve, I mean, I can't help myself. How am I not going to combine The Godfather and football talk? How am I not going to do it? Anyway, uh, so the most important thing was... Oh, so Artie went on this r- racist tangent of uh, McCluskey and the, the premise being that Francis Ford Coppola let him riff and it turns out that, you know, because McCluskey just seems like he would definitely be racist, you know, like, you know, he's like, I know I got all you guineas locked up. So he just was... You know, using the N-word like nonstop. It was so funny. As if he was ripping and I would just be like, probably Francis Ford Coppola, like, well, I'm not sure if that's nice. Shut up, you guinea bastard. You know? <laughs> 48 minutes. 48 minutes of nonstop. It was really, really super fun. Um, again, the reason I brought it up was because of the date. The date. The crazy people date. Because then we come into this Saturday. Now, this Saturday... uh. I did a show at the Dark Horse Tavern, this um, young lad. Adam Strauss is kind enough to book me on two uh, days this month. And I was very uptight. I didn't have the material. And I'm like, you know, let me just get up there and do something. And it worked out. You know, it it, it, it was okay. And then I performed Sunday night. Things didn't go as well. I even forgot the ending of one of my jokes. I mean, what an idiot. Just because I'm rusty and I don't perform enough. And I just need to keep doing it. And it'll work out okay, I think, for August 5th. I can muster together seven to ten minutes or something so so i did the dark horse and sheba was there and then uh she's like why don't you come the room wednesday that's great and it's funny because all he casts are the other people that book bars and lounges in the city they all hook each other up so i always feel bad because i'd like to use a lot of them on my show but um some of them aren't very good so what are you gonna do um can't have that uh, anyway, so I go to the cellar because Marina tells me, come to the cellar tonight because I'm going to be there. And I go to the cellar and it's nine o'clock at night and I don't get home till six in the morning. That's the problem with going to the cellar. It is an all night affair. I hang out. I see this guy that I know, um, Bart Coleman, and that's not the, doesn't matter. The point is I go outside and I run into this girl. Her name is Esther Koo. Esther Koo. Now, I've heard about her. She's kind of a professional comedian. I mean, I've heard all about her. I mean, she's gorgeous. She's gorgeous. She's Asian. Very gorgeous. I mean, sexy. Um, And my friend, my pal, Chris Murphy, has been talking her up. He was on her podcast. She lives in Miami, but she comes here often. And we were talking about her, and for some reason, she's obsessed with Kevin Brennan. Nobody knows why, but she's very sexy, and all the comics, you know, hit on her all the time because she's ridiculously hot. 
And I guess Murphy had been telling her about me, and uh, he'd been telling me about her. And I listened to her podcast. Now, at the end of her podcast, what she does, and I'm sorry, they're doing construction on my block, so that's throwing me off a little bit. I hope you can't hear it. It's really annoying. They were doing it last night at like one in the morning. Anyway, at the end of her podcast, she orgasms. She just does nonstop orgasm. I know, it's like really, and I'm like, what is this? What is this? At the end of her podcast, she just says, hey, everybody. And she just starts going, uh, and it's, it's, it's sexy, but it's stupid. But then at the end, she gives her plugs. And I was like, oh, you know what? She turns it around. It's kind of brilliant. So she finishes orgasming. And I was like, ah. I'll be at the Funny Bone in Ohio, October 3rd through the 5th. Uh, and she just does that and then orgasms again and does another plug. And I like the fact that she doesn't laugh. She just gives the plugs out and doesn't say she's going to do that. Doesn't make it funny. That's okay. But how many times can you listen to that? I mean, seriously, how many times can you listen to that? But I don't know. I mean, if that's the comic she wants to be and and if that, I mean, listen, she's got a lot of followers. She might have like over 100,000 followers. Well, of course, she's going to have 100,000 followers. It's almost like a porn site. But if you look her up online, and that's Koo, K-U, I mean, you'll see how pretty she is. I mean, it's ridiculous. And she's obviously showing off the sexiness. Anyway, I run into her at the cellar. And, uh, you know, we were like, oh, my God, Dave Jessica. Oh, my God, Esther Koo. You know, like, oh, because we, you know, had all this uh, leading up to and stuff like that. And uh, it was nice to talk to her. And everything's fine. And then so Russ, Dave, and Artie are all at the cellar. We're all together. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm... I'm still printing on leaving. I'm still printing on leaving and going home, but I keep getting sucked in. You know, you just hang out outside on the corner all night long. On a beautiful night, you're just you hanging out outside in the corner all night long. There's always somebody to talk to. There's always something to do. There's always people passing by. It's, you know, it's an event. It's exciting. You know, I mean, these guys do it every day. I, I don't know whether I could do that, but, you know, you do it every once in a while. It's kind of fun. Plus, I was talking to the, the owner, Gnome, for a while. We sat down. We were having some some coffee or a beer and just talking about everything he's a very interesting guy and you know how nice to me he's been i'm having some trouble concentrating because of the construction i'm sorry Uh, can you hear it (laughs) it's like really annoying um anyway uh so we so I'm hanging around, then Atel and Artie go on stage, and I always go down to see that, so I went down to see that, and then it's at, you know, right now it's like, you know, 2.30, 3 in the morning, I mean, it's always so late all the time, so it's, we know that me, Artie, and Dave and Russ are going to go out and get something to eat, that's what we do, <clears throat> and there was a problem, because like, now Russ doesn't want to go to Sarge's anymore, so we had to pick a place, and I had my car, and Artie had his car, and that girl Esther just keeps hanging around, hanging around. And so I say, oh, we're going out to eat. Do you want to come with us? And I don't think I thought she'd say yes, but she did. And boy, were those other guys pissed, like really pissed. I'd never met this girl before, so I didn't know what reputation she had or anything. I actually thought she was kind of like like liked. And I thought, you know, I, she's kind like I said, she's kind of a professional, but it's questionable her kind of professionalism. I mean, she's kind of famous in a way. Like, it's interesting. She's, um... <sighs> She's famous, I think, maybe because she's really pretty. So she's on Girl Code on MTV. And, um, you know, but she was also on the goddamn, you know, my favorite show, Jack and Triumph show. 
uh, where I believe this is like her on that stupid show. You know, I mean, not stupid show. I love that show. Yesterday, a security camera caught Kevin Spacey picking his nose at a Chipotle. <laughs> That's her on my favorite show, the show I was trying to get on. You know, you know I love Triumph, the insult comic dog. I mean, how jealous am I of that, you know? But why is she on that show? What is she doing? Is she some popular? No, she's just ridiculously pretty and smiles like any other dude like myself and says, uh, you know who would be good for this? She had nothing to do on that show. She had nothing to do. There was no reason for her to be in that show. She sits there and does nothing. Um, I don't even know what her premise was on the show, and I saw every episode. But it's a smart move. You got to have a hot girl on the show. You can't just have... I mean, that's that's the problem I have with The Godfather. I'm like, what am I supposed to do? It's all... You know, there's, there's no girls. So, fortunately, I got a really pretty girl to play Kay Adams this time. But, I mean, you got to do the Bob Hope thing. I mean, it, it, you know, it's like... A, you got to have Brooke Shields on just because that's what guys want. Uh, so so she gets to do a lot of this stuff, girl code. She gets to be on girl code because, you know, she's pretty and she's, she's not that young. She's 36, which all comes into play. So so she comes with us and those guys are pissed. They're, they're not even, we go to the restaurant and they won't even, Artie and Russ won't come inside. They're debating leaving, but that's because... Artie was having a problem with his nose. He's so got so many allergies and his nose is all messed up that he um, just has to keep blowing it, like putting a like a neti pot up his nose and like making it, you know, so he can breathe better. So he's having so many problems. And then Dave even goes to us or sitting there like, yeah, they left because they, they don't like you or whatever. I mean, it was really, but she didn't even care. She just keeps sitting there and, you know, they just kept saying she was like a phony and everything like that. And I said, I'm so sorry. I didn't know. I didn't know she was pretty. And they're all like, well, I guess he's trying to bang her or whatever. So I, I really just didn't know. I thought she was, you know, I had heard she was okay. I, I just, I didn't realize she was, um, you know, kind of a a phony, I guess. Although I guess, you know, because she's pretty, I just let it go. So, so we're talking, you know, we leave the restaurant and then we go to this bar because Attell knew the guy and he's like, please come and say hello. So we're hanging outside this bar, and it's just me and Esther talking. And she, you know, we talk about the orgasming at the end of the show. She goes, "Why do you think I should stop?" And I'm like, "No, I do whatever you want to do. I just, I mean, if that's what you know, you have, you know, it goes on for a half hour, you know." And then we're talking about that. And I'm like, "How do you orgasm that much?" And she's like, "I can't help myself. I'm just really sexual." She has a boyfriend uh, for five years. Who knew that? I didn't know that. And he goes, yeah, my boyfriend's building me a podcast studio in Miami. He's never heard the show. Do you think he'll be mad that he knows I orgasm on it? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. And we're talking for a while. She's laughing. She's got an amazing laugh. Uh, you know, that makes you feel like, wow, I'm really funny. So, you know, it's, it's, it's working. <laughs> you know, it seems that way. And, uh, you know, and she's Asian. So she laughs and then covers her mouth. Uh, you know, the, the way they do on uh, Iron Chef. Um, and then she goes, do you want to make out on the sofa in the bar? And I'm like, what? Uh, uh, sure. Sure. 
uh, I mean, it was so hot, you know, and uh, and then we go into the bar. It's not, you know, I'm like, uh, okay, and I'm like, oh, it looks like uh, those people just, and then we got cock-blocked by some people that went into the lounge, and then we were just sitting on the chair, and we're, we're staring at each other, and I'm like, well, what are you going to do? And then, um, then I go, to, you know, she's got to go back to Brooklyn, and she's staying with somebody, uh, some stripper, and it's just getting hotter and hotter, you know, but in... Um, in uh, the horrible section of Brooklyn uh, that I, I don't care what anybody says. Like, no, it's it's picking up. It's a b- bag of crap, uh, and I'm, there's no way I'm driving her there. And um, I'm like, you know, do you, do you want to stay over? And she goes, Oh, I can't. I didn't pack like an overnight like stuff, and but maybe tomorrow. And I'm like, Really? You know, because I had plans for tomorrow, but I would cancel them. And she goes, Yeah, we could do a podcast and then just hang out. You know make out on the couch or something, you know, I think she had a boyfriend. I'm like, well, if she just want, if she just makes out, I'm like, I'm, I'm good with that. She's really sexy. Let's do that. So then I was, my plan was to drive Russ and Dave home. Cause I had my car with me. And, uh, after that, I was like, uh, guys, uh, I'll see you later. And they understood. And so I said, oh, well, I'll drive you to the, I'm not going to drive her home. Bushwick. That's the name of that horrible place. Uh, but I'll drive you to the, the whole time she's like, should I get an Uber? Should I get an Uber? And I'm like, yeah, just get one already. This was before all this happened, but she never got one. And I'm like, I, I wonder if she thinks I'm going to drive her home. There's no way I'm driving her to Bushwick. Um, so I said, well, I'll drive you over to the east side. I'm heading that way. And then you're, you know, she's like, that'd be great because my cab will be cheaper. And I'm like, fine. I drop her off. I park the car. So I'm making the move a little bit. She turns away. And I'm like, what the hell? What's going on? And she's like, oh, no, no. I, I was just kidding. You know about making out, and I'm like, what? What? I'm sorry, I failed to see the comedy in that. She's like, yeah, I, I, you know, Russ hates that. I did that to Russ Maneve once at Caroline's. He goes, I, I, she goes, I know, I know you like Asian girls. You want to get out of here and have sex? And he's like, you know, sure. But apparently, Russ says that never happened, but she says that's what happened. And then she goes, no, I'm just kidding. And I'm like, you know, um, that's that's not funny. That's not funny at all. Why do you suppose somebody would do something like that? I said, I, I, you're going to have to tell me exactly where the comedy is in that. She's like, oh, we're going to have to call Chris Murphy and tell him to find the comedy. And I'm like, what? I don't even know what you're fucking talking about now. And she's like, oh, you hate me now. And I'm like, no, I just, I, I'm confused. Now, she's 36 not 26, not 16. A 13-year-old knows not to do that to a guy. It's rude. That's that's how people probably get raped. Uh, obviously, I'm not that type of person, but you know, when you tease a guy like that, bad things can happen if they're not upstanding gentlemen or normal or you know, intelligent people. And when you're doing it in in the in the business, it's it's just weird. You know, if you're gonna flirt with a guy because you you think the guy can do something for you, which I'm not saying that's the situation or whatever. But if you're gonna flirt with a guy and you want to get ahead in the business or something, and that's your that's your plan, because she's definitely using her sexuality, and certainly I, you know, I know the queen of that, which is Sarah Silverman, who, you know, was very flirty, but she did it just the right way. And never did it just to get ahead. She did it because if she liked a guy, she, you know, would fool around with them. And, and you know, 
she didn't. She just knew how to play the game really well. But to just say that and then for no reason, you're better off, say, you know, kissing like once and then being like, you know, I can't. I feel bad. I do have this boyfriend. And that's the better way to go. Then it doesn't seem like just the ultimate cock tease. Uh, you, I, I, you know what I'm, I mean? That's pretty rude, right? I mean, you're sitting here conf- as confused as I am. Not like, oh, I can't believe Jessica fell for that again. No, anybody would have fallen for that. So then the next day I called up Murphy and I'm like, what the hell was that all about? And he goes, yeah, I know. She really thinks you hate her now, whatever. And I'm like, well, I, 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 I don't, I, I guess I do. I, I mean, that's just so mean. And there's no, there's no end game to it. Why would somebody do that? And then, then I talked to, I called everybody the next day on my way to the Jersey Shore. I, I talked to Dave. No, I talked to Dave that night at six in the morning. I called him. I'm like, I'm so sorry I bought her along. Just to, to apologize, I'm like, I'm sorry I bought her along. I thought she was, uh, I thought she was cool. And she goes, No, she was just waiting for you to give her a ride home. I'm like, I, I swear I didn't even know. I didn't even know. How could I be so stupid? And the whole time, you know, I wasn't going to give her a ride home. I, I guess I wasn't that stupid. The plan was I, she was going home, and I was taking Russ and Dave to their homes. Until she said, do you want to make out? I know, like we're 12, but whatever. She's that hot that it's worth, you know, making out. So you can see where I would be like, I'll see you fellas later. Um but Dave's like, whatever, he doesn't care. And then I called Russ, and I go, yeah, listen, uh, she's not cool. And uh, I'm like, I apologize. I ruined the, the guy dynamic. I ruined everything. I ruined everything. I apologize to Artie, and he goes, no, nah, I don't care. Listen, anybody that's in love with Kevin Brennan is an idiot. <laughs> you know, like, he, he was so funny. Art, oh, my God, Artie, when we were at the restaurant, he was so funny. He said the funniest thing. He goes, Artie is so, you know, nobody knows what's going on with Artie, but Artie is so funny. He's so quick. If if he's, I, I I don't know how he made. It. He's so smart. He's um. We're at the diner and uh, he just goes to the waiter and it's, it's he might be the owner of the restaurant, or the manager, and he goes, "Yeah, can I ask you a question? Do you know who the president was when I uh, ordered my chocolate milk or whatever?" <laughs> it's something like that. I, it was really funny and the guy's just staring at him, but it was so you know he couldn't understand and then he realized it was just really funny like. Yeah, do you know who the president was when I ordered that chocolate milk? <laughs> Artie's so quick. He's so funny. He's he really is a genius. He really is a genius. I mean, you know, I you know, I use that status very rarely, uh, but I do use it. You know, I said about Dave Cross. I always thought that. And uh Rob Bob Smigel for sure. Uh but Artie's kind of a genius in a in another kind of way, you know. I just want him to be okay. Everybody wants him to be okay. Everybody's a little worried. But uh, I heard in the crashing show, you know, where he's in six episodes of the eight, that he's brilliant. All the writers have written me and say, Artie's brilliant. And Judd Apatow is so overwhelmed with him, he's taking him on tour. Him and Pete Holmes, they're going to tour, you know, promoting the show. Private jet tour stuff, you know. Um, So... Yeah, and like I said, I think Judd Apatow heard me on Artie's podcast, and I think that's what uh, gave me the part in the show, so that's a good deal. Anyway, about this uh, girl, though, Esther. So I was really upset about that, and then the next night I went to the Broadway club, and she showed up again. And, um, you know, this time I, I stayed for her act because I was dying to see it. And um, it's weird. It's not good, but... 
she does come off like a professional. So it, you could see how, you know, she could, you know, do, she could headline because, you know, she's she's cute and whatever she's doing. I mean, if that's what you like, you like. She comes up, pretends she doesn't talk any English, which is always going to be funny and work. And then she just talks about sex and dildos. And then she, she starts playing the piano. I'm like, what the hell is this? And Murphy goes, oh, that's how she ends her show. And that was the uh, song I played up top. This is a polished version, you know. Let me tell you about a trick. Don't even need a dick. Don't even need to be gay when you're fisting the night away. Fist in the night away. Fist. And then she just keeps going, fist in, fist in. Fist in, I mean, this goes on on Sunday just at the piano for 10 minutes. Fist in the night away. That's what she's singing. And uh, she's doing better than I am. I want to put a bullet through my head after I heard that song. After I heard that song, look, I'm already doing Tessio. Yeah, yeah, you heard me right. Fist in the night away. Esther Koo. What am I doing wrong with my life? Oh, here's some of her stand-up. What's your name? Uh, Hugh. Hugh. Cool. I've never been with a Hugh before. <laughs> oh, how about that Hugh, laugh? have you ever now had it's not that um, great. sex with a girl on the rag? Ew. Yeah. You know, during that time of the month? No? <laughs> what are you doing tonight? <laughs> Just kidding. Oh, no. I did that once. <laughs> and... Uh, the guy was like, why didn't you tell me you were on the rag? I'm like, shit, um, I'm not. I'm like, this is my first time. Yay! I don't know. What do, you, what do you think? Listen, there's a lot of room out for comics like that. It's not, maybe it's not our cup of tea, and I'm talking to my particular listeners. You know what I'm saying. You know, you all felt the same way that I did when you heard it, and this is what I, when I went out. But you know there's room for this. She's not the worst comic I've ever seen or we've ever heard as a collective audience of the Dave Juskow podcast. You know, I don't know. She's, she's a, you know, she's, she has the professional vernacular to, to kind of command a room if that's what she's going to do. And, you know, she's so pretty, she'll get work. And she has. I mean, she had a meeting with MTV, you know, yesterday. I don't know what happened for her own show. Why shouldn't she have her own show? I mean, she really is stunning and sexy. And there are certainly uh, people on TV who get work like that. Me, it's been an uphill battle. For me, being sexy just isn't good enough, apparently. I have to do better battle. Uh, You know what I'm talking about. So, another female tragedy in the pursuance of uh, whatever it is that I do, Dave Juskow, in a completely different fashion when I play you these tapes of these girls that I have to go out with, and then what I endure as a single man who's been dating forever. So every time when you feel like you've been married too long, Think about this and feel better. Uh, but I don't know about this. So then my friend Murphy calls like, yeah, she's really upset that you might 
hate her. Like she left the club and then she came back. She's like so worried. He goes, she's so worried that you're mad at her that you might actually get to sleep with her now. <laughs> and I'm like, shut up. I don't even want to talk to her ever again. She gave me her number. I'm not going to call. Maybe I'll call. No, I'm not going to. It's so weird. But she is that pretty that, you know, you just be like, well. But it's it's really uncool. Oh, now my uh, phone. I forgot to turn my phone off. It's ringing. It's usually my mother on Tuesdays at this time. Yeah. Um, so many distractions today, even though I put my phone in airplane mode. So that's my story of uh, the weekend. Which I went to Cousin Frankie's uh, barbecue Sunday afternoon. I couldn't believe it. I remember I got home at 6 in the morning. I texted him. I'm like, I, I, I got to make your barbecue a game time decision. I'm sorry. Um, but boy, I'm glad I went. Boy, did he put out a spread. Him and his girlfriend, Danielle, they uh, they live in uh, Keensburg or something, you know, which is not a great town. I used to sell cable television door to door there, and it floods instantly. So if there's any type of hurricane, they're just doomed. But they put together a, a spread. It was it was amazing. It was fantastic. I kept asking for the kosher plate, you know, because that's what I do. It's hilarious. I'm definitely the only Jew there. All Italians. All Italians. And, um, or whatever. Yeah, I think they're all Italian. And, uh, but boy, it just looked, the presentation was amazing. And Danielle put together these salads that were, they just looked beautiful, like big trays of food, you know, and it, and it was in a barbecue and two barbecues and cooler, you know, you didn't, they did it just the right way. You didn't run out of anything. It's fantastic. Really good time. And I uh, was smart. I put on lotion way ahead of time. Never burned. I, I just drank a little because I knew I had to drive home. I uh, drank a lot of water. I did good, but I was so bloated. I was so bloated when I was coming back to the city. There was no traffic. You know, so I, could make, you know, I, I had to do the 945 Sunday spot, which is the standard spot for me. But I had to do it um, because I got to get spots. I've got to. I have to make sure I'm ready for. Uh, if not August 2nd, I, you know, I got to remember about that too. I'm also doing, you know, I do comedy beforehand, so I got to prepare. I got to prepare. I'm not, I feel like I'm just not doing enough. I got to be smarter. Fist in the night. Oh, crap. Damn it. Why is that now in my, uh. Fist in. Everybody's feeling great. Fist in. Oh, my God. Why is that now in my head? I'm sorry, everybody. I know you're going to be singing it all now. I know. I'm sorry. I'm a dick. Maybe I can get out of it. On uh, Friday, I went to go see my nephew. He's 13. I went to go see him play at a jazz club in Garwood, New Jersey. Like, a bar at 545 at night. And um, you know, I was like, oh, this is going to be stupid. It was unbelievable. This is with his camp. They learned like 15 songs in nine days. He plays some sort of trombone or something, but they were amazing. They played this song.
Can you? They were great. I, I mean, really, it, it sounded really good. And then I found out later there were like 17 and 18 year olds there. That made me feel better because I'm like, if a bunch of 13 year olds are playing that good, again, I'm gonna put a bullet through my. I mean, I just, I can't, I can't. Why is everybody more talented? <laughs> uh, it was quite impressive. And then, of course, they uh, played this song. You recognize it? Because my brother-in-law and I just turned to each other and we knew right away. <laughs> we just started doing the dance. It's your cousin, Marvin Berry. Listen to this. Marvin Berry and the Starliners. Marvin Berry. Yeah, it's from Back to the Future. Well, I mean, you know, it's not from Back to the Future, but it's like they're playing it, you know, so me and him were doing the... Uh, George McFly dance, you know, before he's looking at his watch and he's got to go take out Biff. <laughs> we just we just look at each other. It's so funny. I mean, and you guys who listen to this, you know what I'm talking about right away as soon as I played it, right? <laughs> oh, we're such nerds. Isn't it great? That movie's so great. Marvin Berry. It's me, Marvin Berry, your cousin. <laughs> listen to this. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm talking about. But um yeah, that's uh so maybe we got that uh other song out of the head, so that was the point. Um I guess just a couple more things. Uh you know, they they got rid of you know football, you know I'm uh, you know I love football. I'm 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 a little nervous about the season because it monopolizes my time. You know, I got a gambling problem, the whole thing. But, you know, when it comes up, it's the it's the best. Um, and they just had a big shakeup at ESPN. Now, for those morning shows uh, before football starts, I can barely tolerate any of them. Uh, there's always a problem with something. So I used to watch the CBS one, but I I had to stop because... If that's the closest one maybe I can get, but uh, it's all right. I used to when they were outside, but Dan Marino's annoying. He's just so stupid. He's obviously a football, completely football knowledgeable and a genius, but he's real stupid. Uh, and I don't care for the host, that James Brown guy. I, I don't know why he bothers me so much, but um, I don't care for it. But it's probably the best of the bunch in the sense of that everything else really annoys me. Um, the NFL Network is horrible Michael Irvin and and Deion Sanders are just horrible they shouldn't be on TV um the Fox ones I can't tolerate for two seconds I mean that's even worse and I I love Terry Bradshaw and uh I like um Howie Long and so I like or is that the one James Brown is on no 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 he's on wait is he on the Fox one no no I'm getting confused no James Brown's on CBS um. Anyway, Michael Strahan is becoming the most annoying person on the planet. But all they do is laugh at each other. And Jimmy Johnson, all they do is laugh. And they're not funny. And all they do is laugh at each other. And it's so frustrating. You just want them to shut up. And it's really frustrating. So I can't watch that. So the only one I had left was the ESPN one, the NFL countdown with Chris Berman and Chris Carter and um, uh, Tommy, whatever his name is, and Mike Ditka. Uh, so I really liked that one. I liked all of them except for Keyshawn Johnson, who I hate, 
as a person because he's a bag of crap and I wish he was dead. Uh, but he, he'd been growing on me anyway. Like, I mean, it, like, like I enjoyed the show that much that even Keyshawn was growing on me a little bit. Um, I just, you know, I'm trying to get past his stupid tenure with the Jets and then winning a goddamn Super Bowl with the Bucks. I could just, ugh! so I hate him. Um, but now they just shook everything. They got rid of Chris Carter, who I always liked. And um, they got rid of Mike Ditka, who everybody loves. And now there's no more Ebenezer Ditka? That's my favorite character. Ebenezer Ditka. Come on, right? I don't know. I mean, there's just a, during Christmas, he'd be Ebenezer Ditka, and he'd be like, if all the Tim Tebow haters out there, bah, humbug, whatever. I mean, I just like, everybody likes Mike Ditka. He's fascinating, but... You know, it's funny, he's, Buddy Ryan just died uh, about two weeks ago. Buddy Ryan was a defensive guru, and Buddy Ryan is the father of Rex Ryan and Rob Ryan, also defensive masterminds in many ways, um, not as good as their father. And uh, he died at 82. And what an interesting, you know, uh, I, I couldn't, I think it was, I guess if he knew him, maybe he was nice, but he seemed like a major dick. But I didn't realize to the extent of how he had changed football and what he did. I had no idea, and this is just being naive, that he was the defensive line coach for the New York Jets and brought them to the Super Bowl three. Think about this. Remember, the in that game, the Colts you know, were heavily favored by 16 and a half points, I believe, in the Super Bowl three. Because they were a, um, you know, offensive machine, and he cut them down to six points. I think didn't the Jets win? Didn't they win sixteen to six or something? They didn't even. I don't even think they scored a touchdown. Maybe they scored nine, or sixteen to nine. Whatever it is, um, that's because of him and his defensive line, and making. It's it's interesting. Then he became the defensive line coach for the Minnesota Vikings, and he invented the Purple People Eaters. Which, you know, if you, you know about football, you know, in the 70s, or maybe you don't know about the Vikings or anything, but you've heard of, if you're a boy growing up, then you definitely heard of the Purple People Eaters. And then, of course, he became the defensive coordinator of the Chicago Bears, the amazing Chicago Bears for Super Bowl twenty, you know, who just destroyed everybody that year. Uh, and just, like, he just built that team. And that's in 1985, they were just, Wow. So this guy was a then he then he then he, he was not a good coach. Just like his kids. They're really good defensive coordinators, they're not good coaches. Rex Ryan is not a good coach. He's an outstanding defensive coordinator. Um but he, oh, here it is. Uh the Jets, his and Walt Michaels defensive game plan was instrumental in holding the NFL's Baltimore Colts to 7 points. I guess they scored one touchdown in Super Bowl 3. Seeing the emphasis that Weeb Eubank placed on protecting Joe Namath and his fragile knees, Ryan created multiple blitz packages, reasoning that the quarterback is the focal point of any offense and that a defense must attack the offense's strength and centerpiece. Makes sense, because he hated quarterbacks. He hated offense. He hated quarterbacks. It's like, you know, technically, he would be the most hated man because we all like scoring. He said a quarterback has never completed a pass when he was flat on his back. That was his theory. 
We must hit the quarterback hard and often. Quarterbacks are overpaid, overrated, pompous bastards and must be punished. I mean, that's <laughs> that's pretty fucking cool. I mean, that really is uh, that's pretty manly. But him and Dicka used to feud all the time. They, they used to feud all the time, and I, I think they came to blows. But, um, yeah, um, the one game they lost that year to the Dolphins, when they did challenge Ryan to a fight during halftime of the Bears, uh, matchup versus the Dolphins, with the team at 12-0 and 0, was trailing 31-10 to 10 in a nationally televised Monday Night Football broadcast. The guys on the team had to separate them. The offense getting Ditka away from Ryan, defense guys holding Buddy. The Bears wanted to lose the game 38-24 to 24 as their only loss of the season. And they trounced everybody, including the Patriots, which nobody even remembers now because the Patriots are the shit. Ugh. And they were both carried off the field in the Super Bowl, and they said that was the first time in history that a defensive coordinator was carried off the field. Think about that. Everybody knew. Everybody knew. That's how they were able to trounce people. Um, you know, that's interesting. And then he got coaching jobs, and he was just never the same. He coached the Eagles and did pretty good, but he never won a playoff game. So he was not not a good coach. Isn't that interesting? Because he probably couldn't work with people. But then, you know, that's the thing. It's like, was Mike Dick any good? Because remember, then he went to New Orleans, and he really messed up bad because he traded everybody for um, that guy that used to like to get high. I can't, I can't remember his name. That guy that just decided to get high instead of play, uh, which, again, you know, I worship that guy. He's like, no, I'm going to choose weed. Um, and he really messed that up. It's like sometimes you think, is Phil Jackson a really good basketball coach? Uh, I mean, now I know he's the general manager. We see what he's doing with the Knicks, so we know he's horrible uh, at this, uh, maybe. Um, I mean, just getting Derek Rose and walking, whatever the hell that other kid's name is. I mean, Derek Rose is an injury-played loser. I, hopefully the Knicks will have another bad season. I, I hate them, and I hate the whole ownership of what they're doing. And um, But is, is, is Phil Jackson a good coach? Are you a, are you a great coach if you have Michael Jordan on your team? You know? Are you a, are you a great coach if you have Shaquille O'Neal and Kobe Bryant on your team? Do, do you even need to be coaching? You know what I'm saying? We know Bill Belichick is a good coach because Tom Brady wouldn't be Tom Brady without Bill Belichick. Tom Brady is not Joe Montana. Tom Brady is is not, you know, uh, even Drew Brees, really, without Bill Belichick. He's very good. But without Bill Belichick, I wonder if Tom Brady excels to the level that he excels to this day and what history will uh, make him out as without Bill Belichick. Now, Michael Jordan was going to be good without Phil Jackson or not. Whatever team Michael Jordan was on, he was going to win, and he was going to win a lot because Michael Jordan was the best. It's just like LeBron. I mean, do we even know who the coaches are? I have no idea who the coach of Cleveland is. But maybe Phil Jackson was good in the sense that he was the first one to kind of know how to work with millionaires when players started getting that money because that was uh, became an art in itself. But it's funny when, you, when you'd see Phil Jackson uh, sitting on the sidelines in just such a cool – you know, he's always oh, a Zen master, you know, because he was really into, like, meditation and stuff like that. Well, you know, that's a very easy thing to do when Michael Jordan's playing for you. I'm pretty sure – I could coach the Bulls 
to at least two championships with with Michael Jordan on my team. And I don't know how to talk basketball vernacular, but um, I'm pretty sure I could sit there and say, now, Michael, I want you to handle the ball as much as possible. And then while we were up by 10 points or 20 points, I would say, Michael, why don't you take a break and we'll put in some of these other idiots. I mean, I'm pretty sure it's that easy. Uh, there's my one of my favorite movies. I should have gotten the clip. I didn't think about it. Is Mash? You know the movie Mash, nineteen seventy. It's such a good movie. If, seriously, if you ever get a chance to see it, the movie Mash, completely holds up. Really interesting. Directed by a guy that's so high he doesn't know what day it is, and uh, Robert Altman, and uh, Elliot Gould is amazing. Then you know why Elliot Gould is a star, and you know why Donald Sutherland is a star because they are just so awesome, funny, and cool in this movie. But there's a scene where they play a football game against uh, one of the other army teams, and um, they hire a ringer. They get this guy Spear Chucker Jones, who used to play for the 49ers, which of course is the most racist of all things. Um, you know that the guy's name was Spear Chucker, uh, but he's a, a professional. They get him as, as a ringer, and then uh, the coach is Henry, you know Henry Blake, and he's like, well. I took the liberty of writing up some plays. I wrote up about you know, the the guy who plays Henry, who you know from many uh, you know movies. Just goes, I I thought maybe it would be good if we had some some plays, you know, some plays. He goes, well, I I'm ahead of you. I took the liberty of drawing up about seven or eight plays. I think that's all this bunch can handle. And he's just looking over. He goes, this is good. This is good. I mean, that's pretty much all I would need to do. And Michael Jordan come up is like, I took the liberty to develop some plays. I'm like, oh, that's a good idea, Michael. Gold star for you. I'm glad you drew up some plays because I wasn't sure how we were going to win today. Uh, I like that also because they um, Radar, the Gary Berghoff is in the movie as well. And he, and he goes, Radar, what's he saying? Because he's, he's yelling at Henry from the other side. Then he goes, oh, his ringer is spotted our ringer, sir. And he goes, you can't trust anybody. Stand him up. <laughs> I do everybody uh, that's white as uh, McCluskey now. Stand him up. Are you telling me how to do my job? Uh, I guess I'm getting a little cranky in my old ears. It's funny to play that and Tessio. Two completely, you know, one very low-spoken, one very high-talking. That'll be fun. So that's something. Anyway, that all uh, being said, and, uh, we, you know, we'll be, uh, you know, it's funny. I mean, uh, I guess we'll talk more. Sports. I mean, I, I don't know. You know, the show has definitely morphed into something when I started. But during the fall, it's hard not to talk about a little bit of sports and a little bit of television because that's what I like to do. Although, I don't know. I'm definitely souring off network TV. I don't know. But, I mean, I guess when it comes up and the new shows come up, I still do like to talk about it. I guess. I can't decide. I think I'm changing as a person. You know, I stopped watching a lot of stuff. You know, I've just been... Yeah, I'm, again, I'm not going to sit there and pull a Smallville again and go 10 seasons and not be satisfied at the end. So if I'm unsatisfied, I'm out. I've been watching the stupid Bachelorette. I can't wait to get out of it once the guy Chad left. I don't really want to watch it anymore, but you know, I want to talk about it with the girls at the office. You know, it's important. You work in an office. You've got to find stuff to talk about. What else am I doing there? What am I doing there? You know, the other thing is uh, I'm playing the character of Murph in... Um, in this crashing thing. 
And I feel bad because my friend Chris Murphy is Murph. So he's kind of furious. You can't really blame him. I mean, it's just the strangest thing. But now we keep doing that thing on Seinfeld where Kramer meets the guy who's playing Kramer. And he goes, no, I'm Kramer. No, I'm Kramer. He goes, let me show you how I eat soup. You know, like what I do is I usually hold it up to my go like that. I circuit it. So he goes like, well, I'm not going to do it like that. See, I'm going to play it my own way. He's like, well, you can't because I'm Kramer. No, I'm Kramer. So, keep, so we keep doing like, I'm Murph. No, I'm Murph. But I felt bad. Murph is Murph. And he's been a, a good friend for a long time. Um, you know, there, uh, th- there's a thing in the paper today, today, where one of the wives of uh, this guy, um, Brent Grimes, who's a cornerback for the Buccaneers, she just, he used to be on the Dolphins. I love when the wives get involved. And she just wrote a bunch of, they say, anti-Semitic um, rants. But, <laughs> I mean, they are bad, but it's just kind of funny. It, it doesn't seem that bad. And she just hated Ryan Tannehill and thought that's what made her lose her husband's job, that he was a bag of crap. And she says Grimes previously cost her spouse a job, that, you know, and they just got rid of him. And she goes, Kobe, Kobe Bryant fans are different. They remind me of Ryan Tannehill fans. Both are stupid, but at least Kobe was a baller. Tannehill's a bum. Then she goes, she went after the Dolphins, you know, Mike Tannenbaum, who's such a bag of crap. He was the Jets guy. Got to respect Ross for keeping his Jew buddies employed, but did he not see how Tannenbaum put the Jets in the dumpster with that Sanchez deal? The Dolphins fucking stink. They'll never be great so long as Steve Ross is the owner, Tannenbaum is the GM, and Tannehill's the quarterback. No way I was going to let him retire with a bum at quarterback, GM, and owner. No fucking way. We will go out on a high with a real quarterback, not a right, not a right wing uh, or right wing at quarterback. I don't know. Um, I just, you know, and his Jew buddies, she probably doesn't even know that's like a, a bad thing to say. That's what I always think. Somebody who talks like that, they probably don't even know. She's probably one of those people like, yeah, I had to Jew him down in the offer, but you know, we're, we've talked about that before where a lot of people don't even know that's a bad thing to say. Um, another thing that's in the paper today, uh, it's the post bashing Bill Clinton. You know, they want to bash the Clintons, but I, I think they're running out of stuff because they're saying, oh, the, the ex-president is a diva because his demands. Um, this is, expenses run up by Bill Clinton and his team for a speech at Mondavi Center at University of California. His fee was $100,000 for a speaking engagement, okay? He got a private jet company providing the jet received a free full-page ad at the center programs for a year. Phone calls, dinner, hotel movies, room service, postage. Total hotel bill for the Clinton was $7,000. Who cares? Who cares? What's the difference if he runs up a tab? That's what I'd do if I was the president. You want me to speak at your place, you're going to pay me, and then we're also going to do this. So if the fee's 100000 and then the rest of the bill's 7000 I'm paying it. Because I want if I want somebody to speak and, they, and I'm okay with their terms, who gives a crap? How is that news? You're the, you're the ex-president of the United States, and you're going to be speaking, and it's going to raise a lot of money because people want to see Bill Clinton. T- I can guarantee that George W. Bush does not get that kind of fee. Nobody wants to hear that guy speak. But you want to hear a very good, very smart, intelligent, uh, you know, interesting person. Yeah, you want to hear him speak. I mean, would you not pay a lot of money to hear Nixon speak? I would. 
I don't know whether I'd want to hear Jimmy Carter speak. I mean, maybe. I mean, maybe when he was younger, maybe. I guess now what I know, I maybe wouldn't. But I probably would if I didn't know he was such an anti-Semite. I probably would want to hear him speak. I mean, Obama's going to be paid a fortune. I mean, he's young. He's interesting. He loves making fun of Republic. Like I said, when I saw him at Hamilton, I mean, and why shouldn't, why not go for it all? What are you holding back for? Who cares? He's the ex-president of the United States. They still call him Mr. President. He's not allowed to watch movies in his hotel room. Are you kidding? Is that all you have? Because if, if that's all you have to, to deface the Clinton campaign, you guys are in big trouble. Anybody backing Trump, if this is your last effort, and that apparently it is, and I'm not taking either side right now. I don't know what I'm going to do. I like both candidates. I'm sorry. I just, I don't, I don't know. But if all you have is a couple things where somebody used their own email server and her husband likes to, you know, ru- you know make a, run up a hotel bill to watch a couple of films and have a good meal, which we already know he likes to do, then you got nothing. You got nothing. And you are in big trouble come this, uh, well, what is it, in a couple of weeks? Isn't the Republican, oh, God, it's going to be great, right? Republican convention is going to be fantastic. I mean, how entertaining is that going to be? It's gonna, it could be scary. There's a lot of action. Should be very interesting, very interesting. I mean, this is going to be a great fall. And um, who knows how it's going to end? Who knows? And I love what Ruth Gator, Gator Ginsburg, whatever her name is, Ruth Baines Ginsburg, what is her name? The Justice She's like, I, if Donald Trump's elected, I may move to New Zealand. I love when people say they're going to move if somebody's elected. And no one's done it yet. If you're going to say you're going to move, then get out. And good riddance to you. You're that upset. I'll let you know when it's time to move. I'll let you know. And I don't think Donald Trump is going to be the time to move. Maybe. I mean, I see what you're saying. But, let you know, let's fix it. So make sure in four years that he's not in office. I mean, th- listen, there is some scary stuff with this Donald Trump. It's very scary. The people that back him are a little scary. I, when I was at the Dark Horse Tavern on Saturday, there were four supporters of Donald Trump in there, and they got a little rowdy. And one of the comedians asked, you know, who was supporting Trump, and they were, like, really adamant. Like, yeah, yeah. And... uh they had to be asked to leave. It's getting a little, uh, it's getting a little intense. Um, but what are you supposed to do? I mean, everything has gone crazy. And here's a guy who's saying, I mean, let alone, I mean, I don't know what they're going to do about the cops and the blacks and that kind of thing. But with the ISIS, look, I can't deny, I, I, I want Donald Trump in office to just, I don't care what he's going to do. I. You know, I mean, I know it's it's horrible. It, there is lots of Hitler stuff with the, the Muslims. I mean, you'd hope that he's smart enough to know that there's lots of good Muslims. and But we got to do something, right? I mean, we're a target. We got to do something. And I don't get the feeling that Hillary's trying hard enough to do something radical. And maybe something radical needs to be done. I'm not saying... I am endorsing Trump. I'm just saying sometimes when things are out of control, which they are, we just want somebody to say the right things that make us feel a little better 
about our safety. And I'm not get. I'm just getting the. And we've talked about this before. I'm just getting the typical spiel from Hillary. You know, we need we need strong people, strong leadership. Well, you know what? No, you've got to say we're going to kick some ass. And I want to hear you actually say we're going to kick some ass. And that's what Donald Trump says. And that's what a lot of Americans just want to hear. They're like, yeah, we're going to go in there. We're going to kick ass. We're going to fuck them up. You don't want to hear the standard politician talk. And that's that's why he is, the you know, where he is. He's telling people what they want to hear. And whether he's going to do it or not or it's true or whatever he's thinking that's what people want to hear because it is getting out of hand and now it's just now it's just getting ridiculous I mean, it's getting scary uh boy leave this podcast on a sour note uh, that's no fun at all is it uh sorry about that i guess i just got involved so what are we doing this week i don't know i'm very uptight very nervous I got to come up with stand-up. I got to rehearse The Godfather. I got to get, you know, the script is pretty much set. Started writing the fourth one. It's really funny already, I think. I'm uh, from Kansas City. Uh, I'm uh, from uh, Staten Island. Brooklyn. Uh, uh, Philip the <laughs> I'm going to take like 30 minutes to do that, uh, the opening scene where I do that. Also, you know, the next one, I got to find, I got to find a girl. You know, I got to find an Apollonia. Monday, Tuesday, Friday. I got to find somebody hot. Maybe the same girl I find to do the uh, NFL show. I have a girl in mind who's foreign and stuff like that, but she's short. She's really pretty. She's a little older. I mean, I think you really need a bombshell just to, you know, to, to, well, you know, like we were talking about before. Sometimes you just need a hot girl. I was like thinking, do I have her take off her top? You know, that's in the movie. Because I remember watching it when I was 20 and I was like, whoa, those were totally worth waiting for. You know, she takes off her top and I'm like, I remember thinking, those are perfect boobies. Totally worth waiting for on your wedding night. You know what I mean? And then, so how do you do that part? I guess she'll just have a, a bikini top or something on. But we got to take off her top. I'm not being sexist. I'm saying, you know, we got to. We got to something. I wanted to have like pasties on or something, but I don't know if I can get somebody to do that. I don't want the girl to embarrass herself, but of course, if we got a stripper of some sort, maybe. Well, that's now we're going down a different path. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I think this might be my uh, new ending music. <laughs> Doesn't it make you happy? Beat it, McFly. <laughs> Kiss her, George. Kiss her. Anyway, uh, good podcast. Pretty good podcast. Um, you know, what's funny is uh, I want to actually get Esther Koo to do the podcast. I mean, let's face it. Now she's become a very interesting guest. We can talk about, you know, what happened. Just the way Jessica Pilot is an interesting guest sometimes, you know, if she would talk. But Esther Koo is a comedian and she has her own podcast. She'll say something, you know. You see how animated Jessica got after, you know, a little drink. Maybe that's the key to do to Esther too. But but she already knows what to do. So now all of a sudden she becomes a very interesting guest. 
So we'll see what happens. Uh, don't forget, I gotta keep forgetting. I'm on the wrap up show, July 28th. The wrap up show on Howard Stern. I'm on the Howard Stern show, Thursday, July 28th. Oh my goodness, that's coming up too. I gotta keep forgetting all this, all this action coming up for the fall. So, lots to do, lots to discuss. I hope you're having a great summer. Now that we're mid into July, I mean we are in the summer. Remember, I got to go to uh, I got to go to the beach. We got to do a podcast from there before the summer's over. I mean, we have to, right? So a lot of good things planned. I hope you keep listening. I hope you keep enjoying. I don't know where you listen, but I hope it's a friendly, fun place. And I hope you have a great week, everybody. We'll see you next time on the Dave Juskow Podcast.